Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's show. Today, we're thrilled to host Giorgio Linguani founder and managing director of That's Amore Cheese, an authentic Italian cheese empire right here in Australia. Celebrating its 15th anniversary, That's Amore Cheese has revolutionized the Australian palate. So let's delve into Giorgio's inspirational journey today. Hey Giorgio, how are you? Giorgio, amazing to have you on the podcast today. Now we're going to talk about so many different things in this podcast today, but really my first question to you is like, how did you transition from doing advertising in Italy to being a cheesemaker in Melbourne. How did that happen? Hi, George. So when I arrived, I'll tell you something really not funny, but was it the reality. I arrived here in the, on, the, on the 19th of August in 2004. And on the following Monday, I went and worked in this fruit shop. And I remember, because of my English, I did a couple of years of English in school. Super excited when I was supposed to start to learn English at school, but the teacher was so... The teacher was a so bad person that make us all hide the, 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 these lessons of English. So I was not remember anything. Plus, you arrive from another country, the English is different from what is pronounced in Italy. Of course. I remember this beautiful girl walk inside this free shop and look at me and say, Hi, how are you going? And I look at her <laughs> and I smile, of course. <laughs> and she's again, Hi, how are you going? And I last smile again, and I thought in my mind, probably she think I'm an idiot, I'm dumb, I don't know. Because I couldn't, I don't, I don't have any idea how to answer. So for me, advertising, communication, with no even the, the, the chance to communicate, you know, even with a person next to me, was uh, completely impossible to, to think about, to do something like that. Mm. And so I approached different jobs. After the fruit shop, I went and worked in a cheese factory because I moved in the north part of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So I found this Italian gentleman running this cheese factory was looking for workers using, at the time there was no much of internet and, mm-hmm. and ads on the internet. So I found this insertion in the this Italian magazine called Il Globo and I called and his name was Joe. Hi Joe, okay, come and look. And I started work there. In these years, I've been bringing back the passion that I have for the marketing idea into the business mm. together with the marketing team. Always we brainstorming. It's the, one of the fun part of the business is uh, do new things, new ideas, new 
and, and actually, as a cheese company, we really do a lot of new things for the market. We've been opening up a new idea in the advertising for the full industry and the why we're running our campaigns has been always fun and and, and motivating for the not just for myself but for the full team. And for me, it's been expressing my passion for the marketing. Mm. I've been able to do that through the business over that Zamora. What made you come to Melbourne? Uh, I have an uncle. He passed away in Ao, my mom's brother. Uh, I was in a moment of my life where I was in need to restart from scratch. Restart from scratch, this means I found a new job in Italy and I started to make again money. I was completely broken. Mm. At the end of one uh, love relationship and my uncle said, Giorgio, why are you not coming to Australia? I said, Uncle John, I don't feel 100% at the moment. When I feel better in a couple of months, I will talk again. So when I come up, was June, July, I called him and I said, is the offer still pending? Yeah, still available. All right, I will come over. And I arrived with no even idea what I was expecting. So I remember we land in, I, I landed in Melbourne at 11 o'clock at night with a flight coming from Hong Kong through Sydney. Oof. So there was no other, no many, no many travelers on 19th of August coming back from, and I remember, I don't know if you watch this program called Border Security. Of course. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> so because Did you forget to declare something? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, okay. I didn't, but I have this request from my auntie. Can you bring some capers? Yeah, I bring some capers. Can you bring some, and my uncle, auntie, my uncle, can you bring some special um, traditional wine called Malvasia from Aeolian Islands, where my mom come from, and my uncles and my auntie. So yeah, I bought all this stuff. So I think the customer was very bored at the time of the night. There was no no travelers. So they stopped me. They opened up and they, and they were making questions. But because I never saw at the time border security, <laughs> I was still in, in Italy. They, no, they were no, no running this program in Italy. So, okay, I think probably this is a normal procedure for whatever person coming from overseas. So I was so relaxed. Mm. Then the second times, I came to Australia, I didn't know bring anything. So when I arrived at the customer, do you have anything to declare? No. Do any food? No. Do the free? No. Okay, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this easy. <laughs> Absolutely. Had you made cheese before back at back at home? Or was it only when you came to Australia that you were you were making cheese? I was just cooking with my with the cheese. Buying and cooking. I work in my in my two thousand different jobs I did in Italy, I work to a deli but nothing about cheese making. Wow. So um, I, I knew a lot about cheese because it's a passion of food you, you, you buy and, you, and you're enjoying. So you might prefer a brand to another, some product to another, you understand the quality, that you have a good palata- palatability, you understand the different flavors and stuff. So mm. this was helping me when I started making cheese. But I, my cheese making started in Melbourne. Practically, wow. this cheese factory where I went and worked, this gentleman, every time I was asking why the milk smelled different from yesterday or why the curd looks different from yesterday, his answer was, why you want to know? I'll not tell you. So <laughs> simply, I called my brother, he's a policeman in, in Florence. I said, Giuseppe, buy me a book about cheese, please send me over. It's very important for me. So when this book arrived, and I'm still holding on this book, it's it's so interesting for me. I'm still reading, I still got through the, the, the page of this book. It's a book from the movement Slow Food, mm-hmm. talk about the 293 cheeses, Italian cheeses protected from the, from the Slow Food. They try to maintain these cheeses to not disappear. 
So I start to read about a few things that was missing for completing the puzzle of which is making. Between the work I was doing at the cheese factory and this new information, I was able to start to do cheese making at home. Mm. So I was buying the milk from the factory, bring it home on the Saturday, on the Sunday, and make some, some cheeses. So I, I start to make the mozzarella, some little cacciottes, and, and one special mozzarella, they, was a, they become after my first product. This product was a called, is a flat mozzarella. Mm-hmm. You can roll the, this, ingredient, this mozzarella with that ingredient. Mm. It's a soft, like a bocconcini, it's in water. So you, you put it on the flat side and you put on top of prosciutto, rocket, tomato, or smoked salmon, or other stuff. And then you roll them up, and then when you slice it, you have this beautiful roll with all the flavors. Amazing product. And this was my first product when I started. The, the business. What happened, the cheese, I left the cheese factory, I went and worked for another cheese factory for a few months, and then I went to work for Visibord, the recycle company, for in, in a night shift. I was yeah. in a night shift. So I was working afternoon shift between from 5 o'clock to 3 o'clock at night, and my morning was free, and one morning I decided to, to do something else, and I to try to do something else. Mm. So I did make this a batch of flat mozzarella and I went to to a restaurant and I proposed. And when I arrived, the owner of the restaurant was available. So he said with me, we tried together, he was uh, in, he was uh, interested, uh, very interested. He said, how much you can, how many you can make in a in a day in a in a batch of seven, about sixteen kilos. I just did a calculation in my mind thinking about to buy a bigger pot than the one I have at the time. So, all right, bring him in 16 kilo, whatever you make. So, the, the, incredible. This one was the real spark of the business. What I did on the way home, I went and I went to buy some packaging, I went to buy some the milk, I went home, set up everything, and start to produce this cheese, transforming the milk in cheese. And the day after, I delivered these little buckets well. to this restaurant. Then making a home was uh, not the best, but I think uh, all the business starting somewhere from home and garage. Mm-hmm. You go no garage, you can start a business. <laughs> That's <laughs> that. Most important thing. Yeah, it's that. exactly. So what I did, I I start to sell to this guy. Then he stopped to buy. Other people was to try to make it become customer. They said to me, George, we like your cheese, but you must get it right with the license and stuff because otherwise we couldn't use it, we couldn't sell. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So I stopped to make a home and I went to look for a workshop. Looking for the workshop and apply for the license, I found a solution renting inside a big cheese factory, still on the north side. So they offered me to go inside and make my cheese in the same premises. And this is the way I started. So then I went to the graphic design, and I said, listen, I want to start my business, and it was going to be called That Samore Cheese. They, why that's amore? That's amore because amore it's means love and everything might do with love, it's always a, resu- a better results. Plus, in my mind, marketing, I thought about I can use the song. In reality, you can't use that. <laughs> you can't use but the song. Was there. <laughs> the song always there. A yes. lot of people sometimes, when they think about our company when they hear the song, mm. but we couldn't use that. Mm-hmm. Also, this is a famous song connected to world. Okay. The English the, the countries where the, the people where they, they talk in English, they think is an Italian song, but the Italians they don't understand the majority of the world over this song. So it's uh, something that connect them 
connected these two worlds apart. And, right. and for me, it was this connection that I was interested in because I was coming from Italy and I was a need to integrate into the community. So this, this I use as a connection. So they created this logo, blue logo with the Vespa, everyone knows. And then they, they ask him, okay, Giorgio, now we're going to make the, the library for your product. What's the call of your product? I said, my product is called Sfoglia di Mozzarella. Oh, okay. I will translate that. He said, you translate like mozzarella sheet. <laughs> oh, still today, I'm scared when I pronounce the word. <laughs> <laughs> so overnight, that was the thing. I, said, I called the morning after. As soon as it was 9 o'clock, I called them. I said, guys, I couldn't pronounce this mozzarella sheet. Too dangerous. <laughs> we have to find another solution. And we called the product Bocconcini Leaf. And we're still producing and it's still in our range, and it still is called Bocconcini Leaf. Mm. Unfortunately, never become the most popular product in our range because people, I don't know, it's probably the little preparation they need, they, they never be interested. So it's a it's very exclusive product, but never become the top sales of our product or our range. In the meantime, in uh, I I remember I start to produce cheese, and after a few months I left the job at Visiboard and I shift. I couldn't do both because sure. I was doing factory at night, cheese production one or two days during the week, and in the morning try to sell these. So I was full on, and I couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. For if I was, I have to take a decision at a certain point. So in April two thousand and eight, I quit the other job and I become that summer cheese. Full time. Oh yeah, I start Sorrari to produce other product, our ricotta. The I called the ricotta delicata mm-hmm. because it's very delicate. It's very comparative for what the ricotta was before on the market. We open up a new a new era for the ricotta. Ricotta before the perception from the consumer side was a ricotta is just a grainy texture. A cheese is just used for cooking and often you need to really blending a lot for make it smoother. Mm-hmm. Our ricotta is, was a spreadable, was a sim- super delicate, mm. uh, melting in your mouth, um, smooth, um, with the, fl- the flavor was so clean, so gentle. Then was it so easy to compare? And so a lot of the customers say, oh, if the ricotta is like this, everything else. We started a new era of fresh, fresh mozzarella gourmet. What it means, fresh mozzarella gourmet, you go in Italy, the fresh mozzarella gourmet is a mozzarella, it's a super soft, super juicy. Soft because it's juicy and, and short shelf life. So I was proposing a short shelf life product to my retailer, so it was very hard to work with them because I said, Giorgio, we don't have enough time to sell in the product. I said, mm. okay, listen, I, I don't make much, just try to propose it to the customer, but not everyone has the passion to talk to the customer and say, listen, I got a new product, a fresh mm-hmm. fior di latte, the trecce, or... So it was no easy in the beginning with the, with the retail side of the business. Restaurants, actually opposite why, they were passing the, the my number between chefs, they were passing my number between them, well. and I was receiving call every day, Giorgio, I have your number from such and such, and I want to you try your product. So we didn't know even having sales rep. It was myself doing production in the morning and delivering in the afternoon and drop wow. off samples around and sometimes going and do a little demo, a little presentation to chefs and restaurants. This is how I started. Yes. Then I I started to grow the team. I took one person to work for me and then another person was helping me to washing, to make the production, and then another person and then a driver. And now, after just 15 years, we have 120 people working in the team. 
we selling Australia wide and we exporting to few few countries in Southeast Asia and Middle East. Wow. Um, yeah. How does it make you feel when you reflect on the last 15 years, Giorgio? Definitely good. Changed my life. Changed my life. I feel a lot of people, they believe in this project. They, mm-hmm. um, all the people working at Zamora, they're all very passionate. They're very, uh, with a lot of energy and very unique. I feel lucky and very happy to work with them. Mm. Very proud, of course. But... Mm, Apart of that, nothing else. I mean, <laughs> it's a nice feeling. I feel the same like when I started. Sure. Still have the same passion to talk about cheese, to enjoy cheese myself, and to go to work. And absolutely, there is a lot of so many other goals, so many other things, and then we want to do it. And so I keep looking forward. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel the cheese culture has changed over the last fifteen years that you've been in business? Because I've, I've unfortunately never been to Italy yet, but I'm I'm unsure of the cheese culture. In, in Italy, I'm sure it's a lot more extended than what it is here in Australia. But how has it changed in the 15 years that you've been in business? Well, Melbourne and Australia has done so many steps forward with a big difference. Uh, cheese, pasta, pizza in Italy is inside the culture. Mm. Here, the people want the culture. It's a different approach. So you you go closer to this culture, to the Italian cheese, to the Italian pizza, to the coffee, because you love Italianity. You have this Italian soul a little bit in, your, in yourself. And so you approach it with more interest, with more appreciation. In Italy, the ricotta has always been there, the pasta has <laughs> been there, pizza is a pretty normal. So, yeah, I love how style approach it to the... It also... I have to say, in the last 15 years, there's been a big revolution in the in the industry about the Italian product. I remember when I arrived, there was no the best coffee in Melbourne. In the last 15, in the last 19 years since I uh, since I'm in Melbourne, the culture of the coffee, the coffee company, is they growing so much. There's mm. been a big big evolution. Some things with pizza, you found very good pizza in Australia, and not everywhere you find good pizza in Italy. Mm. Our cheeses, now let's talk about that some more cheese a little bit. We use uh, one of the best milk in the world. Not many people know about Australian dairy farmers. They're growing the, the cows. They're they, they leaving the cows out on the pasture. So these cows, they're grazing freely on the land, eating grass. Mm. And stay, okay, if it's a rain, they're under the rain. But if it's a sun, under the sun. And they are much more healthy than the one... Get grown in Italy or in the rest of Europe or in America, where the, the cows stay in the shed, and often get fed with whatever food the farmer decides. Can be dried, can be good quality or poor quality, or can be pellets or other stuff. So, mm. the good quality of um, the, our farms also. Everyone driving sometimes on a Sunday and go for drive around Australia or to a picnic. Our farms, nobody going to put fertilizers, a majority, somebody do it in little parts, sure. but the majority of the land, they are natural. So the grass growing naturally in this, in this land, the cows eating naturally. Mm. So the very good quality milk, and these are the all ingredients we use in our cheeses. So... We know standardize the milk. The milk arrives fresh from the farm. The farm we have, we, we're using, there are five farms at the moment mm-hmm. in, in Gippsland. Three, they are Frisian cows. I don't know if you know Frisian cows. Yes, absolutely. Black and white. Mm-hmm. For, and, uh, and the two farms, they are Jersey cows. They're little brown cows with beautiful eyelashes. All the <laughs> girls are dreaming about these eyelashes. <laughs> 
and they make a very good quality milk. The milk from Jersey is more rich in cream, and, and the, also the flavor profile for me it's it's outstanding. And blended together with the frisian become everything fantastic. Mm. Now we use this milk. We pasteurizing and we don't do nothing else to this milk. We not standardize. In te- technical terms, standardizing means make every day the same. So we take care of portion of uh, the cream, take care of other other things, and you make every day the same. The protein, so every day the milk is the same, and you make a consistency cheese. We work a little bit different. We are, yes, a little bit bigger now. For all the visitors that they want to come to the Samore, they can have a look how big we are, but mm-hmm. we're still artisans. So we work with the season, and and we just adjust our recipe to make to try to make the same cheese. The cheese is never the same because the the milk is a live element; it always is changing. Changing. You see, nails come the spring. There will be a new variety of grass growing in the in the land, and then when is after a couple of months, it changes the grass. From far away, we see this green pasha, this green hill or valley. Mm-hmm. But if you walk into the valley on today, you see different variety of grass growing. And these give you different flavor to the milk, a different nutrient. And this you who have this difference also in the cheese. It's beautiful. Mm, Super natural. Mm. And coming from a country, Italy, where there is a, we're still eating seasonal uh, with what the, the agriculture give it to us. So, you know, fair on the cauliflower all year round. Lightly you do, of course, because there is so much import-export. But before, you buy peaches when it's in season, uh, strawberry when it's in season, and everything else. Mm. So, and the milk we're using, and the, the cheese we're making, it's, they live in this seasonality. Go back on the Italian product. So the Italian cheeses in Australia, they found their own gap in the market mm-hmm. when I started. Mm-hmm. When I started, there was a perfect moment. The Samore is not just about Giorgio. The Samore has been about, I always thanks God to, to all the growth that I've been having because there's no inspirations and send you the right people at the right moment. Mm. Every day, it's no one coincidence. It's thousands of coincidences. They can be just coincidence. So I always thanks God for that. But again, it was a perfect moment. I remember chef, we were traveling, going to Italy, coming back. Giorgio, do you make a burrata? Yes, I do make a burrata. And Giorgio, do you make this? Can you make this for me? At the beginning, when we started, it was making so small, small production. It was really able to personalize a chef request. Mm. Can you make it more bigger for me? Can you make it more smaller for me? Can you make this mozzarella with a, a kind of a section where I can put oil inside mm. and serving? A, yeah, I can. I can. I was making everything, make everyone happy. Yes. And but was it, there was a request? Chef were traveling and they were coming back with with this uh, memory of a beautiful product try try in Italy and try to found the same product in Australia. And, and so this was the perfect moment. Mm. So the Samore cheese opened up the market for the burrata, now become super popular, mm. for a range of smoked mozzarella of different sorts, smoked cheeses. Um, there was none before, apart mm. just one cheddar produced from this leader company, King Island Cheese. There was a make this smoked cheddar, there was nothing else. So we brought back the smoked buffalo mozzarella, the smoked bocconcini, the caciocavallo smoked, the scamorza smoked. I was uh, going to the restaurant, um, you tried the scamorza smoked. They were laughing at me. <laughs> and I said, ah, yeah, well, we say smoked, but you say, you, you keep saying like smoked, we like in the way <laughs> So I lived all this, um, this journey fantastically, yeah. 
Was it hard to communicate in the early days about the seasonality of the product and the fact that it would change? And I remember when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I think I might have shared with you, I, was a, I started my career in the baking industry and I, f- I find it very similar to what we're talking about today, their seasonality in wheat and the fact their seasonality in milk and therefore cheese. Was it, was it hard to communicate to those early consumers that it would actually change? Well, again, one the lucky moment, the lucky time was that when I started, I started... I left Stradivari, the Italians fan, because some, they were not understanding the same product I was making. Mm. Some, Ita- part, uh, some people from the Italian community coming on the 50s, they were, in, they were no have idea of some regional product. They were coming from different region from where they were coming from. So for me, it was easy to approach the chef and the restaurants and chef understand the product. They, we were, I was in, in touch with the best restaurant in Melbourne. We still are. We still supply them. The best restaurant, the best chef. And they understand the seasonality. They, under, they understand the quality of product. They understand the flavor. They understand the love when you're making something that we love. They really understand. We were talking the same language. It was no hard at all. Mm. And I remember delivering myself, I walk inside the kitchen, say, hello, everyone, and make a noise. Oh, George, come here. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I know a lot of chefs of the early day when I started, because I still was, I was uh, delivering myself, and mm. we become friends. Mm. Uh, lovely experience. How do you, how do you feel about, what do you think the state of the dairy industry is at the moment in Australia with you being so close to it? And I sort of reflect back in 2021, we had a conversation with Sally Sally Jones from Gibson, Jersey. and we, I love Sally. We actually <coughs> had that conversation in a paddock in Gippsland. Wow. Fantastic. Right? It was amazing at one of the farmer's houses. And I'll, I'll never forget that podcast. It was amazing because they brought scones. and oh, Anyway, I was very excited. But it really got me much more connected to to dairy farmers. What do you see when you, you know, talk to these dairy farmers? It must be very tough at the moment for them. It is tough for two reasons. First of all, a long time the, the dairy farmers always have been working hard with not much excitement from from the from everyone. And I tell you my opinion. Long time ago there was a lot of milk. A lot of dairy farmers, a lot of milk. So we have to sell a lot of milk, a lot of dairy product. We couldn't, we couldn't use all in Australia with export. So we were, the politics was to selling commodity product cheaper than others, whatever. Mm. Uh, and plus, our cheeses, like I said to you before, even the commodity cheese, they make it with the best quality milk. They're still very good. Mm. Even the one with the big company standardized the milk is still very good, better than other countries. So before there was a lot, a lot of milk. And dairy farmers was getting not much money because it was a lot of milk. Yep. Now, a lot of farmers, they give up on this job. It's hard for them to do a succession on, on, on the business because the young people, they don't want to look after the farm. Of course, thanks God, it's not always like that. Mm. What's the difference now on the market? There is less milk in Australia. Still one of the best milk in the world. We should marketing more these top quality in the world. Sometimes you, we know about Parmigiano from Italy. We know about in the wise and might because the, 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 the people from the Parmigiano, they marketing well. We know some products they are super popular because they is being marketed properly. Mm. We need government to help to marketing product, our dairy product better for what it really is. Give it right the right information plus. Dairy farmers in Australia, majority, like I said to you before, they don't spray the land. Why they don't spray the land? Because you need a little insect 
to impollinate the little flower that make the grass reproduce itself, make seeds fall on the ground, make again grass. Mm. Sounds simple, but believe me, not many people think about that. Millions of people living inside the city, they don't think about the grass. They got the seeds. They need to be impollinated from a little flower, from a little insect. Mm. So dairy farmers, they don't spray the land. And this is important. And why is important? Because today dairy product, together with some other little product, like organic vegetable product, and lamb and free, and, uh, what's it called, grass-feed, beef mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and wild fish they are the only good healthy product on the market sometimes you think about you have healthy i want to eat healthy what do we do oh, everyone think about vegetables yep ah, perfect but if these vegetables they produ- they've been produced to a conventional agriculture if you go inside a piece of land where they're growing broccoli or other stuff you will not find an insect a mice bug of dif- different and the big why because they put a lot of pesticide fertilizer mm. and we eating that in our food now the real heroes as, as today we're talking out the city because in the city we go these beautiful vegans screaming about for for they they think about eating vegetables you know you know killing animals you know killing uh, mice and insects and birds they go into the lake they do Mm. But they don't. They don't say. They don't. The majority of that they don't know. The reality is that they don't know. So the good propaganda we need to put forward is uh, not about talking the bad guys, but also talk about the good guys. Let's go back on the dairy farmers. They are good guys. We've been in so many farms where the farmers are putting planting trees for divided paddock and making shelters for the animals when they're grazing around the farm, and these trees bring back koalas and birds and possums. It's a real story. We meet farmers that they bought a land where there was no even one tree, and in 20 years they've been putting tree, there is a neo koalas and possum and rare birds and wildlife, and mm-hmm. this is a, thanks to them. And, and again, they don't spread the land, they look after this beautiful animal, the chaos. There is no dairy farmer that doing this job, and it, it, it does it with no love in the animals. This, we can't do that. You really, you know, even yourself, you will have a dog for look after your, you know, the dog, the, the look after your house or the, the, yes. the front yard. Yes, if you like don't a guard dog. dog. Yes, yeah, it's a guard dog. <laughs> you will not have a guard dog if you don't love a dog. Yep. So at the time is that, yes, they're working for us, whatever, but there is a love in that. So there is a really good guys out of the farm. They need they need the support. The first support will be buy dairy product mm. and try to be, uh, look at the benefit. There is a big organization. There is an organization doing called Dairy Australia. Then been doing a few campaigns to promoting plus study case study. They have a case study on on older people and they when they they using dairy product. Mm-hmm. They. They 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 much more healthy and much more. But the calcium component, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are so many benefits that nobody talking about. So the first support for the dairy farmer will be start to use a dairy product, and start to also recognize them for what they're doing as a good for the environment. Out the city, out the city, there is no vegan. Out the city, <laughs> there is no nobody doing recycling or there is land, there is actors of land, and there is somebody doing nothing, and somebody doing something, and they do something for the environment. And they, so we must recognize to them what they're doing. They're doing great job, hard work, 
working the farm. And while we supporting them is again, eating beef, that, that is a good. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to eat the full chaos by yourself. I mean, you can have a steak a week. Minimum, it's no, nothing wrong with that. And they have a dairy product. We not kill the animals having dairy product. And they're good for you. And supporting dairy farmers is important. We can't make, lose this industry. And also, is a healthy part. Think about it. In Asia, now, government uh, doing propaganda regarding having dairy product in your diet improve your health. Mm. So, over there, they start to eat. And they were eating, drinking more soy milk. Now, they start to drink more milk. And here... We try to do the opposite to why it's completely... doesn't make sense, does it? Absolutely. Yeah. So this, I think, is a something we all should think about that. Why do you think we don't talk about that more? Because, like, uh, I feel the only time we talk about farmers is when there's a problem or, like, supermarkets are really good in putting farmers on a milk carton or using them as promotion to say something is green and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But we don't talk... We never talk about land care. We never talk about those things which are really important to the environment. Why? Why don't we talk about that? Do we just need more Giorgio's you and more Sally's? You want to make me? You want to make me create more enemy today? <laughs> All right. There's a company created by selling fertilizers and pesticides, and they need to sell that. So we we promoting agriculture. There is everything perfect. Mm. An perfect apple, perfect tomato. The size of it. If it's too big or too small, we can sell. Have to be the perfect size. Can you imagine you go to the supermarket, you buy a tomato, is uh, 700 grams big. <laughs> yes. No, we can do that. It's yeah. too big. Yeah. So, yeah, again, we're promoting something because there is, there is other industry. They need to, they're pushing and they're putting money on marketing for something else. It's uh, just, uh, the dairy farmers is just what they pay the price of, uh, the, 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 the focus is on, on another direction. Mm. Do, you think, do you think customers are getting used to I'll call imperfections in fresh products and therefore being, you know, not the perfect apple or, or you know, not the perfect piece of beef or whatever. And customer, we have it today more and more smart customers. And because there's a people, they really, there is information. Mm. Our kids are growing with a, with a phone and iPad. They have information from when they're young. Mm. And so they, if we explain to them, they will understand. I have an experience with some vegans. I was uh, walking this uh, beautiful in this supermarket in Northcote, and I went inside looking for the manager and I asked these uh, staff members, uh, "Hello, I'm George from the Samurai Cheese." Oh yeah, I'm a one of your fan. My name is Connie. Hi, Connie. How are you? I look for Christine. Yeah, let, get, let me get Christine for you. I went to talk to Christine on the way out. There was a Connie. Bye, Connie. I'm going. Oh, George from that Samore. She was uh, talking to two customers. I said, uh, is it the Giorgio from that Samore? Uh, they show me, they, they lift up their hand with this uh, vegan mozzarella. And I said, ah, uh, buy vegan mozzarella. I said, okay, nothing wrong with that. Uh, are you vegan? I like a vegan. I said, explain why you, why are you vegan? For choosing the, for healthy reason? Because there is a vegan for different reasons. Well, actually, we, we, are, we, choose, we chose to become vegan for the animals. I said, Okay, can I tell you my opinion? Yes, please. All right. I said, for me, I will be lovely to... Why Why you eat this... Uh, don't eat uh, this uh, vegan mozzarella. It's uh, full of, of uh, additive and it's a super processed. Every, the vegetables in the way they are, they will be much better for you. Plus, uh, can I tell you something? And I say exactly the same story I told you, I told you before about mm. the farmers, what are they doing? And when they understood what they're really doing, they 
then they put together the, the, the information in their mind. It wasn't no brainwashing them. I was just telling what they do. They thought about, actually, he said, this is true because I've been in the farm. I saw this, this and this. George, what do you say is it true? Yep. Is your cheese with no animal in it? Yes, there's no animal in it. Okay, we try next time. So right information and good propaganda is what we need to do it. Mm. And for the benefit of the, our, our community, we're going backwards with this climate change. It's really happening. So the right information to look after our environment, our home, the earth is our home. It seems important and everyone can do his own bit. And the perception out for the, uh, it's, um, again, talk again about the dairy industries, you know, super, sometimes in schools and stuff, they, they make look after for animal welfare, the, the, the farms are doing something wrong to the animals. Mm. It's uh, not true. I mean, there can be a bad apple, but a bad apple we have in all different categories. Fanatic or bad apple, we have in all different categories of people. So, uh, the right information is important. And we do with kids. I go my daughters at school, and sometimes they come up and I talk to them and I explain things. And they say, Oh, okay, we understand. It's true, actually. So, um, yeah. Well said. Well said. How has your product range changed over the last 15 years? Has it grown? Has it, has it, is, it, is it a big range now? Or is it a lot? Like, is, have you kept it quite condensed? Like, how's no, it growing? No, no, no. We, we're growing everything. Yeah, again. I thought so. <laughs> First of, all, first of all, we get bored. I mean, when you when you put a lot of energy, you can create a new customer every day. Also, we create a new customer every day. But plus, you want you so enthusiastic. Which is making is so interesting mm. because you creating with just one ingredient. You said before you were in into the bakery industry, so you have a flour. Mm. It depends how you work this flour and the much how the things you put, you put in milk, you put in water, you put in oil, you more water, less water, more, so, more, more high temperature, a lot of change, you make a different product with yeah. one ingredient, just the same flour. Yep. The milk is exactly the same. With one ingredient milk, think about how many products you know from just cow's milk, from yogurt to labna, to alumi, mozzarella, hard cheese, cheddar, parmesan, mental. Everything tastes different. Everything is a different flavor, a different texture. It's one ingredient. It's in the way you process that. So it's a very interesting process of cheese making. And we've been so passionate to be cheese makers and creating new things. So in these years, we, we started with fresh mozzarella. Uh, my first product was, again, bocconcini leaf, the ricotta, the scamorza. Also in our range, you found a particular name. For the Australian market, they look very new, but they're not new. I mean, we just call the right name, the right product with the right name. Scamorza, mm. Scamorza smoked. It's a little bit firmer than, it's a word in Australia people call it mozzarella. Vacuum pack, uh, shaped like a little pear, a little taro. Uh, in Italy, the one is called Scamorza. It's not called mozzarella. For mozzarella in Italy, the people in, mean the big bocconcini, Fiore di latte, stai in a water. In, they sell in a little patch with the water. Mm-hmm. So we start to call the product with the right name. The, um, the cacciotta, before, or still some my colleagues, they're calling fresh pecorino. But pecorino in Italy is a cheese made with sheep milk. Sheep is a pecora, pecorino, sheep milk cheese. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't tell you it's, it's different name. It's like you come to Australia. I, I come as a tourist in Australia and I see something I never saw before. What can I say? A kangaroo, you tell me, no, the one is a goat, the jumping. Come on, it's, <laughs> I'm silly and understand, and I believe. I mean, we must give it the right information. So we start to call the, the, these cheeses with the right name. 
from cacciotta to cacio to squacquerone. And what happened? In the beginning, we started with fresh cheeses, ricotta. And then when we move into the new premises in Thomastown, where we are now, uh, we have a chance to produce other product. We have a little mature room, so we start to create other, other product. The, wow. in, in the old factory, was a, just experimental. So we now produce a wash rind, a white malt cheese called Stella Alpina, still on the Italian, Italian style, a blue cheese, a gorgonzola style. We, we can't call gorgonzola. Gorgonzola is, again, is a name of a town. Mm-hmm. But we, we call isolation blue. Our blue is called isolation blue, in particular because when we were ready to launch was at exactly the same moment that started the COVID. So everyone was in isolation. Okay, we call isolation. <laughs> and we start to sell online that. So in these years, we created a range of cheeses, mature, semi-mature, white mold, blue mold, wash rind. And why is that? Because also, and take a time for us, educating the customer on a mozzarella beer gourmet product. And the only... Not many people understand the mozzarella as a gourmet product. People, the perception on the market is mozzarella is a, a cheese for cooking. Yeah. You make a lasagna or parmigiana or mm. something else, or pizza. Mm-hmm. So this is a process to educate the customer that the mozzarella can be a gourmet. Plus, when they travel and go in Italy, they realize it's a gourmet, come back and, and appreciate, appreciate the product better. But it's been hard for us. That. So we, for creating and for lift up the profile of the Samurai cheese, we start to create other cheeses, a little bit more important for the perception of the consumer's side. And, and also for us, it was, it's been fun. Of course. No, it's not fun anymore because every time you produce a product, it becomes a, a new line. And then my production manager, Giorgio, we have to stop doing so stop many cheeses. So <laughs> it's a, now, since COVID, um, we haven't started to do any more cheeses. Actually, we, we have another cheese in the last couple of years. It's become popular too. It's the only cheese we're making that doesn't belong to the Italian cheeses. It's called Mexican cheese. Mm. So we're making this Oaxaca cheese, well. Mexican cheese, because of this request. There's a big community of Latin American people. They, they, they look for this cheese and yep. they're using for decorating, decorating the quesadilla. So a few restaurants are using and we've been making that also as well. But um, otherwise, always stay to the Italianity. How do you come up with new products? And does it take a long time to actually come up with those new products and develop them? Well, sometimes you, you just observe the market, what trend there, there is a new trend. Some customers asking and you make, try to make. Mm-hmm. And like the burrata. When mm. I started with the burrata, I come from Sicily. And when I moved into in, in, in Australia in 2004, Italy was still very regional. So Burrata was not arriving to my hometown in Sicily. Mm-hmm. So when the first chef asked me, George, do you make a Burrata? I said, yes, Simon, I started soon. And in the reality, I, was started, I started soon to look into YouTube and internet how this Burrata was look like and shape. And I started to produce it. I started to produce it. We designed together with this chef and with other chef, personalizing a little bit. Because the, the first Burrata, when I presented with the knot, Mm-hmm. The chef said, George, what do, what do we do with this knot? Can you make it with a knot? Okay, I make it with a knot. The feeling is a little bit too chunky. Can we make it more delicate? Yes, we can do. So we refine together. It's been a product in evolution for us. So in this last, um, I started in 2009 with the Burrata. In the last 14 years, we've been always improving the product. Mm. And it's become now so popular. It's, I think it's uh, representing the Italian 
cheeses in Australia now, the burrata more than more than others, and and also is it being recognized as a gourmet? So a lot of chefs are using, and not just chefs there. work in Italian restaurants. We have a modern Australia. We have a fusion with the Asian cuisine, and and the, the burrates have been intri- intriguing so many chefs because of the possibility to co- do combination. They they become incredible in the last few years, mm. and burrata also is the most beautiful cheese you can see in a plate. And my as a ta- as a flavor, you can have. A a cheddar or, or blue cheese or something that tastes very good. Mm. But as a looking, the burrata is the the most sexiest cheese in applied. It's beautiful, it's look yummy, it's a decorative applied. It's been chosen for this reason for so many chefs as a centerpiece of the dish. Yes. And the chef in Australia, they've been much more creative the, the, my experience than I saw in Italy. Mm. Because sometimes in Italy, again, the product is inside the culture. Everyone buy burrata, have a home. So there is left for some chef a little bit, not much to do it. Mm. When here, chef has been using that for creating new intriguing dishes. So I, yeah. Two more questions for you. Um, the, fir- the first one is, if, if someone who's listening to this is a cook or a chef or starting their journey in the hospitality industry and they're trying to understand more about cheese and maybe their cheese knowledge is cheddar, blue cheese, mozzarella, and that's kind of where it ends. How would you want them to learn more about cheese and and understand it? Should they have different styles by themselves or should they have a lot of different styles together to understand the differences? Like what's the best way to educate themselves on cheese? Well, my suggestion will be, we saw like in Melbourne, we have a fantastic markets with very knowledgeable cheesemongers mm. and, and some de- dedicated shop with, again, fantastic cheesemongers. And in some shows, so you're able to, in some farmer markets, you're able to meet cheesemongers and other passionate people where you can really go and ask information and they will explain to you and they will guide you through this probably education mm-hmm. discussion you will have with them because they will talk to you, they will probably make you try something or something else and you will understand your difference and if you look for information you will have a lot. Mm-hmm. We, we're so lucky in Melbourne, there is so much. Also, Melbourne be so multicultural. Uh, we have cheese coming from overseas we have uh, some imports that they bring uh, some very good quality cheeses from overseas. Mm. On the other side, we have uh, some imports that bring uh, so poor quality cheese from overseas. <laughs> yes. So be careful on that. But we have um, a chance to try French cheese, Italian cheeses, plus local made Italian style and French style cheeses. I'm forgetting probably English style and, and other variety. But anyway, we go everyone here. It's a so multicultural you can find cheese from everywhere in the world mm-hmm. and, and also cheese makers. They, they produce cheeses with uh, so much passion. They really, you can, they can really challenge, challenge the, the quality of the, the European or, or, or other overseas cheeses. So mm. markets and specialized shops can give you already an education on that. If you, have the, if you, re, if you found the right cheesemonger, he will really guide you through the uh, process. Is there any way to tell a really great quality cheese as opposed to one that isn't great quality without trying it? Is there anything by look that you can sort of 
that you can tell if something's a really good quality cheese or is it just simply about trying cheese and figure out what you like because maybe everyone's palate is different, obviously. Absolutely, I agree. Exactly what you said, I mm. think is, uh, of course, there is a cheese, there is a, there is a fake cheeses as well. There's some processed cheeses, they, they should not be called cheeses. Exactly yep. like uh, some product not being called milk. Yes. Or, or yogurt. Or chicken or beef. Or, okay. Yes, yes. So... Definitely, mm, it's about the it's about your your, your palate mm-hmm. first of all, and then understand also where the the cheese come from. So, and again, everyone have a different preference. It's like there is a you ask me beautiful people. If we think about beautiful people, there will be different background, ethnic, and they all beautiful people. So the, yeah. it's all about personal taste on that. Still, there is a, some cheeses that I will know. No heat to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great analogy. Yeah. As you take this moment to think about the last fifteen years, how are you looking forward for the for the growth in that tomorrow cheese? Like, what are you excited about well, moving forward? There is uh, so much still to do it uh, for that tomorrow cheese. Uh, we for who's coming in touch with our world, that tomorrow cheese world, and so become a followers. So they can see how many things we're doing. We don't do just making cheese. We 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 help some. We we inside the community. We helping what we can. We do event for fun. You find us at the Victoria Night Market. Yes, exactly. you find Amazing. us so many other events. Mm. Uh, we are original. We we not, we not copy anyone. We tr- we are try to be original and fun, and and there is so much still to do in Australia. I mean, we are not selling to the biggest supermarket. Actually, we just start to selling to calls local. Wow! Well, but well uh, we are not selling to the biggest supermarket. So mm-hmm. st- still, a lot of people they they need to to put they need to be able to put their hands on our product. So there's so much for us to do it and uh, and invent new idea, new packaging, and new product maybe. If I don't fight with my production manager, you need to do And yes, there's so much that can be done. And educational, we again, we have a fun in doing this business. We we do educational program, we do classes, we do things that make the die become more interesting, and our job more interesting, and getting interact with uh, with everyone. Mm, I agree, and and you're doing such an amazing work with you and your team, and. I think the true, from my perspective, the true nature of someone's character is what they say about you when you're not in the room. And over the years, I don't ask. No, 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 no. I was going to give you a compliment. So wait. <laughs> I know. I, 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 uh, over the years, like there's been many people, and I talk more than ten, who have come to me and talked about you, and said, "What an amazing person you are! What amazing energy you have! And how you always do the right thing." Try to be. So I just wanted to share that with you, the fact that that was told to me by many people unprompted, right? So well done on on the business you're creating. What's the best way that people can find out more about That's a Moray Cheese and get in contact with you guys? Well, as of today, with the social world where we're living, with the social media, Instagram will be the the first approach and, and... Instagram and Facebook, plus we have a beautiful website. You can mm. send an email. You, wanna, you can come and visit us at the Samore Cheese. We, we open up this beautiful shop called Cheesery, where at the beginning it was supposed to be just a cheese shop. And then I said, okay, I will sell cheese. I will have a customer come here, but I also give it a more wide offer. So we the, we create a proper deli where you can buy imported prosciutto or, or mm. local mortadella or local salami. And now cheeses and plus, uh, we open up uh, this uh, restaurant cafe. 
where it become lightly so popular. We have people traveling from everywhere in Melbourne. We have people traveling from Mentaliza to Thomastown. A lot of people don't even know it was Thomastown. <laughs> and the people travel from everywhere to come have an experience, shop at the factory and have a lunch, something unique. We have this beautiful porchetta, porchetta roll, or oh, yeah. um, spaghetti al pomodoro with the burrata. Every week we, we have a new dishes with burrata, burrata because it's, we're so proud of this product. I have to say something, just we're working on a book for burrata. Ooh. Don't say a 201, please, but yeah, we work on that. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. As I said, that's going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you can connect with the team at That's a Mario Cheese. Georgia, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you really enjoyed that episode of Principle of Hospitality. I definitely did. It's always great when we have people who are producing amazing products come into the podcast studio and tell their story. So I hope you enjoyed that 15-year anniversary with Georgios. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. As we always say, we need this podcast shared so we can keep doing what we're doing. Even leave us a cheeky review as well. We'd really appreciate it. Until next week, stay well, everyone. Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything in one place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com.